Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. When it comes to watching so many injustices going on and things like tyrannical governments in a lot of different areas, as well as maybe your own, a lot of times the knee-jerk reaction will be, "Let what can we do? What can we do? And sometimes that's not even knee-jerk. That's just the reaction. Lord, what can we do to stop this? And for a lot of people, they may be confused on the topic. They may not know, well, who should we align ourselves with? Who should we link arms with and and be tied to or yoked together with in order to fight against this tyranny. And to discuss that with me today, whether or not we should team up with believers, non-believers, and so forth, and to what end do we go after fighting against tyrannical governments is the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel. Great to be here, brother. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm excited because this is the topic that comes up all the time. It is a topic that typically, whether it's emails, whether it's questions, whether it's during lives, whatever it may be, it it seems as though this topic is always at hand, especially, you know, when you were sitting around and more people are having mandates come up. You know, we have friends in Australia, very locked down, even New Zealand as well. And I'm not sure where you're watching this from, but I know that there are different levels to where people are being mandated to do certain things that may be against their will. And so these questions come up a lot. And I know even at our home fellowship at, at Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, we have these questions coming up. So I think it's important, you know, hopefully to have some pastoral care from you for these guys, because this is an important topic. Absolutely. It's determining a lot of the direction of the professing church, because uh, leaders uh, are very important. And when they lead, Jesus said, if you follow the blind and they go into the ditch, you're going to fall in the ditch with them. Uh, so if, if the if leaders are blind, and we have a lot of blind leaders because they're not using the lamp of God's word. Uh, they're going by the flesh. Often they're going by uh, communications from the demonic spirit world. Uh, their eschatology is spiritually bankrupt oftentimes. And they're leading people away from what the Great Commission, the design of the Great Commission and preaching the gospel into a fantasy of a Christian utopia on earth. And that's something that is not what Jesus taught. Jesus comes back and he brings the kingdom in and we're being taught and told, uh, many are being told this utopian lie and Christian form of it, that we can actually, the church can usher in the kingdom of God on earth where the world will become Christianized and everybody will be obeying the Lord and the Lord will be come back and he'll see this nice present, you know, presented to him with a bow. Hey, look what we did, Jesus, how we saved the world and now you can come back and reign. And that's not how the, when you read Revelation chapter 19 and Jesus comes back on his white horse with the armies of heaven, why does he have armies with him? Because he's going to battle and whoop uh, the Antichrist, the false prophet, his armies. Babylon was just destroyed, with which Christians are called out of her. Revelation chapter 18, 4 and 5. Come out of my people, lest you partake of her sins and of her plagues, because he's going to destroy uh, Babylon, mystery Babylon, uh, which I believe is what a lot of this is part of. Uh, not only the commercial aspect, but more of the spiritual aspect. And then he's going to defeat the Antichrist at Armageddon. 
Uh, it's very clear in, in, in Scripture, but many of these guys are preterists, or they just twist the book of Revelation. They say, no, actually, we're going to take everything over. We're going to take the seven uh, mountains that are described as Babylon. We're going to take that over. Some of them interpret the seven mountains, which I don't want to you know, bear our lead, because I know some of that's coming up. But just kind of the bigger picture, this is at its core, uh, when you're not to add or take the book of Revelation, it's taken away a lot of the book of Revelation, deposit man's selfish, hey, we're going to take over, we're going to rule the earth. And it's Jesus. He's, he's the Savior. He saved us through the, on the cross uh, from our sins. He's going to save us from world tyranny at his second coming. In the meantime, we occupy till he comes and we preach the gospel and we stand prophetically against the state and, and, and fearlessly and stand against the, the evils of the world. And I'm sure we'll talk about different ways scripturally to address those things from a biblical New Testament perspective. Yeah, and you know, one of the things we wanted to talk about is a practical way uh, of understanding Scripture in light of what's going on around us. And I think that's one of the more important things that will hopefully help out in getting through to you and through uh, just one with another sharing, uh, because I think that's really, really important. And so many people are very confused about where they should stand on these issues and who they should line themselves with. But one thing that I think shouldn't be confusing is the first question that we're going to answer. And we're going to answer that juxtaposed to the way that one man Pastor Greg Locke gave his answer concerning specifically whether or not, you know, I guess you could say, man, I mean, the person he's on there admits when he asks the question, you guys are going to get to hear it. There, he admits that he doesn't believe the same way he does, and he starts going into different faiths and so forth. And so I'm going to let him give his answer right here so you guys can check it out as to whether or not when it comes to fighting against tyrannical governments and so forth, whether or not we should be teaming up with those outside the faith. And I also want you, you to pay attention to something as well, because what we're talking about is the deception. Remember what Second Thessalonians talks about, that great falling away, what Jesus talked about, the great falling away over and over again. And so I want to bring out deception because that is a huge part of what happens in the end times. And who are those who are deceived? I think we need to find that out. So let's listen to the answer that Greg Locke gave. So um, now, uh, I have a, a, a broader perspective, uh, or not broader, but a, perhaps not as a, um, a biblical perspective as you do on the Bible. Um, uh, but whatever it is, I do believe, I see um, non-Christians, I see Jews, I see Hindus, I see uh, Muslims all around the world uh, being being oppressed and being uh, tyrannically, tyrannically uh, oppressed of taking the vaccine or going through these <laughs> hardships and all this, too. Um is there is there opportunity for for them to wake up to fight against if if they're fighting against this this new world order agenda the satanic agenda they're aware of it from their religious perspective is there an order for them to be um, part of the solution rather than being being part of the problem? Absolutely, I think so. I, I tell people all the time: look, the parts of the Bible that you really believe are the parts of the Bible that you really behave. And so even if they're Islamic or if they're Roman Catholic or if they're Jews, if they really believe the text that's been given to them, okay? I happen to believe Jesus Christ is the one and only way to heaven. He died, was buried, rose again. I believe the gospel, okay? John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But if people really believe the text of what they've been taught, then they're going to push back. And they're going to stand up and be like, look, this is nonsense. Because across the board, denominationally or religiously, however you want to look at it, all of us know that there's a great delusion coming, okay? Everybody knows that there's a reason they're trying to take away our religious rights and our opportunities to gather. So be they Muslim, be they Christian, be they Jew, 
they need to get a gut full of it and stand up and say, no, we're going to believe what our text says. And not one of those texts tells them to simply be sheepish and obey a tyrannical buck wild demon possessed government. Not a one of them. Okay. All of them would know rise up because if you really believe in God, each and every one of those religions, I may have my discrepancies and great disagreements, but the unifying thing around all of them is they all teach some level or some form of faith. And so you either have faith or you have fear, but you do not have both. Mm. So there is a lot to go there. I think just the first statement from the question to the answer of absolutely, already we're getting off on the wrong foot. And then you have the caveat nature of, well, I believe John 14, 6, I believe that stuff, but we all have our text. We all have our text. We all have our faith unifying that we all have faith. I think there's a lot of dangerous statements made there. So yeah, uh, you remember in Acts chapter 17? Is that where Paul joins with the Epicureans and the Stoics and, and then he gets the Hellenists together and the Essenes and all these different groups and he says, let's all sing Kumbaya together and let's march against Rome and let's just overthrow Nero. I mean, do we see that in scripture anywhere uh, where we're to unite with, uh, in the New Testament, biblical teaching, we're supposed to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth, to the lost, so we can win them to Christ yet we're warned in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 17, uh, not to be unevenly yoked with, together with non, um, unbelievers. And one reason you're not to is he says, what fellowship does light have with darkness? You know, what fellowship does Christ with have, have with Belial? What uh, fellowship does the temple of God have with the temple of demons? And right now we're seeing an awful lot of people join together, uh, whether it's with regarding dealing with, you know, the mask mandate or it's dealing with vaccinations with New Agers who serve different gods. Yeah, and I think one of the big things there when we're watching that answer and how dangerous... I mean, this is a guy who has grown with a huge following. Uh, pastor Greg Locke, I don't believe he actually meets the qualifications of a pastor anymore uh, for a number of reasons. And we actually he teaches easy believism, by the way, and we're not going to even face the tribulation, anything like that. You know? Yeah, it's really interesting not facing the tribulation, but pushing this, uh, you know, and pushing... These ideas, and maybe he thinks that because of the power and the strength of fighting this way, you know, it's it's really interesting. But it also is very sad. This is a man who did leave his wife for his secretary, um, and never gave a reasoning uh, with having any biblical grounds. And in fact, there were pictures of his car outside of the woman who was his secretary's house. And it wasn't on, only after those pictures uh, were posted that he then confessed to his church that he was in love with his secretary, who he also had married previously. In lust well. with his secretary, let's be straight, right? No, yeah. And, and it is a heartbreaking thing because he's made a lot of videos and he's a good speaker and he, he's quick-witted and all these things. And so when people hear those things, it's, it's a Proverbs 18, 17 situation where the first to plead his case does seem right. He seems like, well, maybe he's right on a lot of these things. And yeah, it, it, is, it does really stink that this is happening and so forth. But then when you really get down to the root of it and you find out that at his epistemology, at the very core of his belief is the fact that he can line up. And the guy mentioned, the guy talking there from, from that show is a new ager himself, admits that he's not a believer. He mentions Hindus. He mentions Muslims. Guys, how can you fight against deception when 1 John chapter 2 says quite clearly, what is the spirit of Antichrist? He who denies the Father and the Son. Yeah, well, he expressly mentions Islam there, where they deny the Father and the Son. They don't have the same God as us. And he tries to make it look like we all serve the same God. I mean, which is it of the tens of thousands of Hindu gods that 
uh, he's thinking about when he says it's the same God, you know. Uh, and at the same time, when you're talking about the Hinduism, you're talking about New Ageism, you're talking about, you know, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 19, he's saying an idol, the physical aspect of it is, is nothing, you know, it's harmless, but it is still harmful if you get into worshiping it and idolatry, uh, you know, because uh, he says, you know, what am I saying then that yeah, sac- food sacrifice that I lose anything? No. Is I lose anything? No. He says, but what I'm saying is that what the Gentiles sacrifice is sacrifice to demons. That would not have you become partners with demons. So when you enter into joining hands with those of other religious practices for in a, in a religious way, you're actually communing with a group that is communing with demons. And what happens is, uh, you know, you basically, I mean, you can, you're opening yourself up to a lie, by the way, at that point, because it's almost like when the Lord warned the, the, the different kings throughout Judah and also the, the northern kingdom not to allow, uh, ally themselves with wicked kings, and then they receive judgment because of that, instead of just depending on the Lord alone. What these folks are doing is that they're relying on wicked leaders, you know, who don't know Jesus. And not only is, you know, Allah a false god, he's not... He has no son. That's just, like you just said, Chad, First John chapter 2, that's Antichrist. But you're dealing with religions that, you know, open themselves up to uh, demonic entities. And and this uh, Mr. Locke, you know, I mean, first and foremost, uh, he's, he's disqualified scripturally, you know. You're sleeping with, uh, if you're cheating on your wife and you're with your secretary, I don't know how you continue in ministry uh, at that point. So there's a lot of things that disqualify him, but it, it makes sense to me that if he doesn't ultimately really fear the Lord and he can walk like that, of course he's not led by the Spirit, he's led by the flesh, and obviously he's in the numbers, and he's, he, you know, he's about making, he's open to making alliances with the wicked, and that's, that's a big biblical no-no. Yeah, no, amen, and this is somebody that, you know, sadly enough, this is a guy who talked about going into a Dunkin' Donuts and telling someone that he would knock their yeah. teeth out, kick their teeth in. Um, you know, for calling them a liar and so forth. You know, it doesn't seem like that's meeting the biblical requirements, let alone the husband of one wife leaving her and then marrying your secretary and so forth. You know, it doesn't seem like someone's even close to meeting the biblical requirements. But what what should be done is repent, is to turn from that, realize that you're not qualified to teach, come to a place of repentance, and not simply be going out and making more numbers and continuing in well, this. Well, his belief system is that you don't ultimately have to even repent of all sin. So I see all these doctrines lead to other false doctrines. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. Watch your life and your doctrine. In doing so, you'll save yourself and those who hear you. And he apparently isn't listening to this. And the teaming up in theory, as he had mentioned, has come along the lines of also teaming up in practice because he did recently just do an event with none other than Sean Foyt. Sean Foyt, formerly of Bethel, Bethel, now going out and and doing his you know worship america and going across america you know teaming up all over the place with people and sadly a lot of people saw his and a lot of it in all honesty was faux oppression it wasn't not him really being oppressed and he and sometimes maybe he was but nonetheless over and over again i saw people that love jesus sharing this guy's stuff not realizing some of the ties that he has yeah yeah there it is again you know you have uh you know these you know birds of feather flock together and Foyt is big time connected already with and the whole idea about stopping the new world order you know it's like again you know in second Thessalonians chapter 2 it's interesting because uh he had even mentioned strong delusion in second Thessalonians chapter 2 but does he realize the context of the text of the strong delusion there it's because 
It's a judgment from God. This coming new world order under the Antichrist is a judgment from God. It says because God gave them a strong delusion that they might believe the lie because they refused to receive the love of the truth and they had pleasure in wickedness. So because the world rejects Jesus as Messiah, as Lord and Savior, as God in the flesh, by and large, most people do, and because of their rejection of him and their love of lies, they're given a bigger lie. Uh, God allows in his providence, and his sovereignty, uh, the Antichrist and uh, that whole thing to go down because the judgment, he gives them a strong delusion that they might believe the lie. So what's interesting here is part of the, the big part of that delusion and the resultant acceptance of that is systemically begins at the root of not loving truth. And here he is joining with a lot of people. Let's join with people that hate the truth. Don't love Jesus. Refuse to bow the knee to him. And let's fight this delusion that's coming upon them as a judgment. I mean, I mean, let's really look in the scripture and see what's going on here. Yeah, and then, you know, doing these events with Sean Foyt. Sean Foyt coming out of Bethel. And Bethel, when we think of Bill Johnson, and we, we've done an entire five-part series, now it's turned into a six-part series, answering some of their answers. Check that series out the of the blow way you haven't seen it. Really yeah. open up your eyes. Yeah, and when we already touched on that there, but it's interesting because Bill Johnson, and you've talked about already the Seven Mountain Mandate and so forth here already, but Bill Johnson actually wrote a book alongside of one of the architects of the Seven Mountain Mandate in Lance Wallnow, and that book was titled Invading Babylon. I know you got some interesting things you saw in that book. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, a, you know, he's, Lance Wallnow is one of the leaders of the Seven Mountain Mandate, of course, which includes, you know, taking over the military, taking over government, taking over business, education, arts, Hollywood, everything, as though Christians are going to rule it, you know? As though, now how's that going to happen? Are you going to slaughter them? Are you going to slaughter all these people? Well, that's not what Jesus taught. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. You know, if my kingdom was of this world, then my servants would fight. That's not us. Oh, they're all going to say, hey, let's let you Christian leaders take over Hollywood while we watch. Or is it they're all going to get converted and all going to bow down and follow Jesus? You know, none of these things are in the Bible. None of these things are scriptural. But Lance Wall now, he's the one who actually coined the term uh, the Seven Mountains, you know, and the Seven Mountain Mandate. And the idea isn't just to invade Babylon. Okay, we believe we're invading Babylon as far as preaching the gospel. And Christians are in Babylon until the very end. This is what's interesting. When you read uh, the, the book of Revelation and you read about the end times, it's such a contrast to what these guys are saying. These guys are saying we're going to take over Babylon. Okay, uh, and we'll get into the whole thing on the Seven Mountain Mandate. And we'll just do a whole in-depth thing on this sometime in the hopefully not too distant future with the leaders, what they say. I've got their books, and I'm just blown away by some of what these leaders say. But one of the one of the leaders, and I'm not going to get in depth into it, but he literally says in his book, and he's spoken at Bethel, that we are going to take the seven mountains that represent Babylon in the Revelation chapter 17, and the church is going to rule them. So the point is, is who are you then? Because when the Lord comes back, read Revelation 18 and 19, 17, 18, 19. He destroys Babylon when he comes back. It's being ruled by the wicked. That's why in chapter 18, verse 4, it says, Come out of her, my people, lest you partake of her sins and her plagues. So it doesn't show Christians overtaking the seven mountains of Babylon. So their idea about invading Babylon is actually taking over uh, you know, everything in the world, which is the dominion mandate. Uh, it's, it's called kingdom of dominionism. Kingdom now among the charismatics, among the Calvinists, it's called reconstructionism. Uh, basically, it's very similar in a lot of ways. 
and it is ungodly, unbiblical, and satanic at its core because it throws out what Jesus revealed in the book of Revelation. It puts man's views and thoughts and desires in God's place. And, you know, you mentioned specifically how are they going to take these mountains. And in our video, Bethel Rediscovered, uh, we actually looked at exactly what they had to say, and then we examined it. And we're going to play a little clip here that was also used in that video of Chris Vallotton actually describing them practicing the seven mountain mandate. You know, the mountains, you know, there, there is a, I think that whole teaching, which began exactly as you articulated mm -hmm. so well, it's like get involved in culture. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, when I, I've heard a lot of the mountain taking, let's take this mountain and, you know, let's, let's dominate this mountain. And, you know, but the context in the teachings that I've heard and that I've taught has always been t that mountain that the, that the demonic world, the principality mentioned in Ephesians 2, Ephesians 6, mm -hmm. and that Daniel de dealt with in Daniel 10, mm -hmm. that, that, that Persian mm -hmm. demonic prince, he's ruling that mountain. And we're like, take him down from that mountain. Mm -hmm. It's not about take, those, take over those humans. Right. It's like right. pull the, you know, Let's, let's dominate that mountain in the sense of pull that spirit down so people can have a, a sense of free will. Now, now, Joe, I know we went into that already uh, in a previous video, and we're going to get a little more into that. But just from the outset, I have to say, when you first hear that clip, that is another instance of in the political realm or I guess even in journalism where you have what's called spin, where it's just spinning yeah. what is actually going on. And that's what's taking place there in that clip. Well, we're just trying to take these demonic mountains. And the idea behind it is because those demons are there, now people don't have free will. And so once we take over to that and rule that area, now they will have free will. That seems pretty ridiculous. Yeah, well, the Calvinists, they have a struggle because people don't have free will, you know, <laughs> genuine free will, uh, free moral agency or uh, libertarian free will. Uh, with the charismatics, it's like, well, people are bound until, you know, and, and we do believe uh, in Christ's atonement has many facets. We emphasize the substitutionary aspect of his atonement, but we also believe in Christus Victor, that he uh, is victorious over the principalities and powers. But even though uh, he gives us victory over the evil one, uh, he mops it up in the end. You know, Satan is still a roaring lion in First Peter chapter 5, as mentioned, seeking to those who devour. We're supposed to resist him steadfast in the faith. So uh, while a, while some of the you know amillennialists and other you know people with diverse views, oh well, Satan is bound right now, which is unbiblical. Well, these guys think that they can overthrow Satan and so forth. And Chad, what you had mentioned uh, is important because it is spin. Because uh, Volatin, who is a false prophet, by the way, we played some of his false prophecies here. We've also shown where Bill Johnson, the head of Bethel, has mentioned with Volatin that uh, to be a prophet at Bethel, you have to make false prophecies to be yeah. considered a true prophet. And and for people that are joining us that haven't heard that before, this is all we expose this in our series on Bethel. So it's important to understand they're steering you away from biblical prophecy to their false prophecies and their idea about well we're gonna, what we're doing is we're jettisoning these the these you know these power structures, these spiritual entities, these principalities and powers. You know what's interesting is Paul doesn't say that in Ephesians chapter six. We deals with principalities and powers. He talks about the need to be aware of his methodius, his methods. He talks about putting on the full armor of God, right? He talks about resisting him. 
He talks about taking the sword of the spirit, and most of the armor is all defensive, right? So he's not talking about actually uh, dispelling these principalities and powers and these so-called, you know, these territorial spirits. And I'm not saying that there aren't spirits that have to do with territories. Uh, biblically, it looks like there are, but what we don't, we're not taught is to expel these spirits. And by the way, the spin is, and I'm, you located it, Chad, you're right. It's, oh, well, really, we're talking about getting rid of these spirits that are ruling these things. What happens when these spirits are gone? Who takes over? The church does. That's their viewpoint, is that we're going to rule men. So he can put a spin on and say, well, really, we're talking about dealing with the spirits. Well, how do you take power over these? Do the leaders all of a sudden now these demons are gone and all these leaders become Christians? Mm, that's not what the Bible teaches. And by the way, you talk about a territorial spirit. You know, Satan's whole territory, he goes to and fro throughout the earth seeking who may devour, right? Uh, but it's interesting. He was in a specific place when John was banished to the Isle of Patmos. There in Revelation chapter 2, it's mentioned. And John was uh, exiled there under the reign of Domitian on the Isle of Patmos in the 90s. It's interesting because Domitian was reigning in Thyatira and throughout the Roman Empire. And we do have a very interesting passage about this. If you want to try to take a principality down that's ruling, Jesus says to the church at Thyatira in chapter 2, I believe around verse 12 and 13, he says, Under the angel of the church of Thyatira, I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, where Satan's seat is. And Satan's seat, the Greek word there, seat, the Greek word is thronos. And most translations properly translate it throne because that's what it's speaking of, his seat of power. And he says, uh, you know, you dwell where Satan's seat is. And thou holdest fast my name and has not denied my faith. Even those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. Twice he mentions that Satan is dwelling in, in uh, Thyatira. And it's interesting. In what way is he dwelling? You know, well... Uh, there was a lot of worship of Zeus there. Right now, you can see the remnants. If you look up uh, the temple in Thyatira, uh, you can see the, uh, the Acropolis and where the people in the town met. And across from it is this huge hillside, steep slope with the remnants of Zeus worship and the pagan temple. In fact, Berlin has the uh, 40-foot uh, statue of Zeus from that area because uh, they worship Zeus. And Zeus and the pantheon of gods were false demonic entities. We, we know, like Justin Martyr, for instance, in uh, second century church father, he talks about how Zeus and the demons, or Zeus and his pantheon of gods, just they were just representations from Satan and his demons. So we have this principality there. And by the way, emperor worship was really strong in Thyatira. And Domitian had a coin made with himself on one side and Zeus on the other. He's, this is Satan and his emperor he's using and he's inspiring. Again, he, he banishes John from preaching the gospel, but God counters him. God's the ultimate chess player. And John, okay, you're writing the book of Revelation now. That's what I've got for a year. And he exposes his principality there. And by the way, Antioch's Epiphanes, who is a picture of the Antichrist, prior to Jesus talking about the abomination of desolation, he prefigured the coming Antichrist. He smeared pig's blood on the inside of the temple, had a sacrifice a pig, abominated the temple, and he had a statue of Zeus made with his face on it. It's interesting because the future Antichrist, it will be the, you know, the dragon will empower the beast, Revelation chapter 13. So this is all coming, but guess what Jesus doesn't say? He doesn't say, since we've located that, that where Satan is existing now, now get the church together and, 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 you know, walk 17 times or 57 times or whatever around the temple. And, and, you know, and then you're going to just destroy Satan or, you know, have a prayer vigil and then Satan will, you know, he'll be bound for a thousand years because of your prayers. 
No, Satan's bound at the end of the tribulation by an angel, by the way. doesn't have to be, it's not even the Lord that does it himself. Uh, and then he's destroyed later in the lake of fire after uh, he's set free for a short time after the thousand-year reign. So what's interesting about all this to me is that they're talking about taking the, the they're talking about taking over the earth, but they're talking about banishing these spirits and overcoming these spirits so they can have power. Well, the delusion is for them they're not going to banish these spirits. They're not all going to go bye bye until Jesus comes back, right? So when they are getting their seats of power, if these these Christian leaders can get seats of power, it's going to be in concert with other religions, like we saw with the other false teacher you had just mentioned. Uh, who is mentioning, well, we're going to hook arms with the Hindus and the Muslims and we're going to fight tyranny together. Well, guess what? When all the world comes together and they fight tyranny, guess who they're really fighting against ultimately? They're going to be united with, it's going to be the spirit of Babylon, mystery Babylon. They're going to join that movement. If they're reigning on those mountains of Babylon, those that they're persecuting, that's Christians who are holding fast to the word of God. That's where all this is going. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.